side, by golly, we're about ready to go with more big action. Thank you very much, and welcome to Georgia Championship Wrestling. I'm Gordon Soley, your host, and we have quite an hour in store for us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Championship Wrestling at ringside. This is Vince McMahon, along with wrestling's only living legend, Bruno Sammartino. Welcome to this week's edition of Mid-South Wrestling Television. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, another outstanding card. Hey, guys, and welcome back to the Regional Wrestling Podcast, where we talk the territories. I am your host, Ray Russell, and we're jumping back in this week with more Georgia Championship Wrestling from 1981. Going to start off the month of February here this week. Guest co-host Jamie Ward going to return in just a couple minutes. But first, just a friendly reminder that you guys can listen to the Regional Wrestling Podcast, along with sister shows like the Wrestling Memory Grenade, where we're currently in the middle of our 1987 in the WWF project, and also our program Monday Warfare, The Battles Within, as we chronicle the weekly breakdown of the Raw vs. Nitro War. Right now, both of those programs, The Grenade and Warfare, in the middle of the month of July. We're closing out the month of July 87 on The Grenade, and right now on the Monday Warfare show, Raw vs. Nitro, just finished up the week of July 22nd, 1996. Coming out of the In Your House International Incident pay-per-view, headed into SummerSlam, WCW also headed towards Hog Wild, their very first event at the Sturgis Rally. You can listen to all of those shows and more, all as part of the WrestleCopia Podcast Network located over at WrestleCopia.com, that's WrestleCopia.com, and anywhere your podcast streaming needs are met, from Apple to Spotify, Google, and beyond. And follow me on social media, guys. You can follow me on Twitter at Wrestling Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. Also, follow and like me at Facebook.com slash Wrestling Grenade. Follow us on social media for all the latest goings on at the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. And I'm also constantly adding old school video clips and pictures from throughout wrestling history. And speaking of videos, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can find me there at YouTube.com slash Wrestling Grenade uploading new footage all the time as I continue to preserve my old VSS collection by converting it all to digital. Lots of fun stuff up right now over at youtube.com slash wrestling grenade, including a playlist covering the first half of 1987 and the WWF just finished it January through June. A lot of the biggest happenings that took place over the course of the first half year of 1987, all in one playlist. You guys can check that out right now. Just one of the many things going on over there on our YouTube channel. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that now would be a tremendous time to become a WrestleCopia patron. You can find us there at patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. That address again, patreon.com slash WrestleCopia. Yes, guys, there are multiple tiers that you can choose from, but I only ask you guys to give it a go. Give it a try at that $5 all-access tier. Get you all sorts of good stuff for just $5, including... All of my insanely detailed show notes for the Wrestling Memory Grenade, Monday Warfare, and of course, the Regional Wrestling Podcast as well. You also receive early access to many of the podcasts here on WrestleCopia. Listen days and sometimes as much as a week earlier than the rest of the listeners. Plus, remastered versions of the earliest episodes of the Grenade Podcast covering the 1989 NWA project includes enhanced sound quality and new content and conversations originally edited out of the initial broadcast due to time restraints, edited right back into the show. But that's not all. You also get digital downloads for your viewing and reading pleasure, and of course, our Patreon-exclusive Watch Along series, covering many past WWF and WCW pay-per-views, 
Coliseum videos, Saturday night's main events, Clash of the Champions, and so much more. Plus bonus video drops. You never know what's going to pop up there in that all-access tier. You get all of that, guys, for the low, low price of just $5. It's early access, insanely detailed show notes for three of the podcast shows, Patreon-exclusive watch-alongs, remastered episodes with new content added in, digital downloads, and so much more for just $5. No subscription. Cancel any time. If you guys have a few bucks laying around, please show your support for all of my time and effort that I put into this entire WrestleCopia brand. Give Patreon a try for a month, and I think you'll like the content we offer, and every penny of it goes right back here into the WrestleCopia Podcast Network. We have no commercials, no advertisements here. So it's your help, it's your patronage that helps keep us up and running for the months and the years to come. All right, and here we go, guys. Headed back to the month of February 1981 in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Gotta love that theme as we get rolling here this week. Gonna dive back into Georgia in 1981, and in order to do that, I gotta bring back on my guest co-host for that ride. So let's welcome him back. You've heard him before here on Regional Wrestling. You've also heard him as part of John McAdams' Stick to Wrestling podcast in the past. Please give a big warm welcome back, Jamie Ward, to the show. Jamie, welcome back again, which leads me to ask the question, Jamie, do you have a little Georgia on your mind? I always have Georgia on my mind since we started this. Good answer. <laughs> I, I'm thinking all the time, Georgia. I love it. And thinking back to all the you know fun I had over the years watching Georgia Championship Wrestling. Yeah, and I've got so much going on with the WWF in 87. I have to do that Monday Night War type stuff. And then, of course, we're doing Georgia. I'm doing Mid-South with Roman. And now my son has tasked me and going back in time and watching all of the Mid-Atlantic on Peacock with them. So we're already in the summer of 82 there. Now, I'm not taking notes, and I'm just sitting back at night. Every night we're watching a few episodes. So it's not like hardcore learning, you know, going back to the learning tree again. But it's it's fun to get it in there. And just even my in my relaxing hours, I'm still stuck watching the territories, which I'm not complaining about. And that's great. You're getting bonding time with your son in something that uh, you love. He, he's taking interest in your stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's old school wrestling and Walker, Texas Ranger is what's playing right now at night. Oh, <laughs> and, nice. Ricky Steamboat will be on there sooner or later. <laughs> or, or are you talking about the new one? No, no, not the new one. Not, not the new okay. one. I've tried watching it. It's uh, too much drama, a lot less fighting. Not for me. Yeah, I've never seen the new one. I've, I saw the old one when it first aired, but I couldn't tell you what happened. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a few guys come through there. Hogan, Piper, uh, Randy Savage. I think Frank Shamrock. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sting's in an episode. He runs a, a meth lab. It's very, uh, you know, it's, it doesn't help that Sting is not a good actor, but it, it just seeing Sting play that character just wasn't buying it. Of course, that was like the, the end of the Walker, like the last season. So they were really okay. <laughs> stretching things at that point. But anyways, guys, we'll, we'll dive back here into 1981. And so we finished up last episode talking January 81 here on Regional Wrestling. And we closed out the month with TV for January 31st. Coming out of that, we have a brand new national television champion in Bobby Eaton, defeating Steve O for that belt. Also, back on January 26th, 
the team of Ted DiBiase and the returning Stan Frazier dethrone the fabulous Freebirds of the national tag team titles, only to have the belts held up after a match on January 31st on TV as well. So as of right now, the national tag team titles are held up, pending a rematch between the two teams in a couple of days here, February 2nd in Augusta, which we'll get to in just a moment. But first, some big news, maybe some giant news coming our way here in the month of February. Andre the Giant, the eighth wonder of the world in the state of Georgia for 11 shows here in the month of February. A new record for the Giant here in Georgia, 11 matches in one month. Yeah, well, they were... uh getting ready to expand. Well, actually, they already were expanding up into Ohio and Tennessee. And who's bigger to bring along than Andre the Giant? Literally and figuratively, who's bigger? Andre the Giant in town here for nearly half of the month of February. Yeah, and I'm sure uh, Ben Senior was plenty happy to uh, to give him out to, to George at that time since him and Barnett were uh, buddies. Right, and they got him just in time because that ankle injury is coming pretty soon for the Giant as well. Oh, that's right. I, I forgot all about that. Yeah, that's yeah. In, in the parallel universe. He, he doesn't have much time left. <laughs> also, the Mongolian Stompers manager, Don Carson, going to start working matches versus Mr. Wrestling 2 on some of the house shows after Don Carson recently interfered in some of Wrestling 2's matches against world champion Harley Race uh, in recent house shows, allowing Race to pin Mr. Wrestling 2. And now for those who don't know, the big C, Don Carson, got his start as a wrestler. For many years, guys, started back in about 20 years ago in the early 1960s, spending plenty of time down here in the southeastern states of Alabama, Georgia, and of course, Florida as well, Jamie. Yeah, and this will be a manager versus manager feud since two went and applied <laughs> for that license to Good be call. a manager. So it'll, see, it'll come in handy here. See, that, 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 that grumpy wrestling too, he knew what he was doing all along. That's right. He, he was just sucking Don Carson in for that proper moment. So we're going to look at a few house show results here as we head into the first week of TV for February. And it all starts February 1st in Griffin, Georgia at the Mid-South Auditorium. On the card, Georgia champion Tony Atlas over Kevin Sullivan. Dick Slater defeating Terry Gordy. That sounds like a fun matchup. Also, the fabulous Freebirds of Gordy and Roberts. Gordy doing double duty, if you had to pick one, I guess. It's Gordy and Roberts over the team of Robert Fuller and Ted DiBiase. National champion, the Mongolian Stomper defeating Wrestling 2. Thanks a lot, Don Carson. And Dick Slater picking up another one. He beat Gordy earlier in the night. Dick Slater taking it home at the end of the night, winning a 12-man battle royal. As we move on, also on February the 1st in Marietta, Georgia, Jamie, at the Cobb County Civic Center. Saw again Georgia champion Tony Atlas over Kevin Sullivan. It's Steve O defeating Ole Anderson on a disqualification. Steve Kern over Bobby Eaton. The Freebirds of Gordy and Roberts over DiBiase and Fuller yet again. And Dick Slater defeating the national heavyweight champion, the Mongolian Stomper, on a DQ. Any of these matches stick out to you? Well, the uh, Tony Atlas-Kevin Sullivan, it's the battle of the former uh, tag team champions from about a year ago. Former friends, former workout buddies, Atlas and Sullivan on a couple of shows here. Sullivan's been working mostly with Kern and Steve-O, but here on February the 1st, anyway, both shows working against uh, former friend Tony Atlas. And I'll say it early for anybody that's following along. Notice as we get into February, even how much more Sullivan's body is changing. He's really getting ripped here. It continues to morph into unbelievable. You know, I never really saw this. I mean, I've seen Sullivan in shape, but maybe not in this type of shape. You know, by the time I started seeing Kevin Sullivan on my TV screen and by the 90s, you know, I'm sure people that caught on to WCW in the 90s 
they were like, there's no way this is the same guy. But it really is. Well, even by 83, when he starts the, uh, well, he never said he was the devil. But that's true. whatever you want to say he was, he is starting to plump out at that point. Still muscular, but starting to plump out two years later. Right on. So we move on to February the 2nd in Augusta, Georgia, at the Bell Auditorium. It's wrestling two over Kevin Sullivan. Andre the Giant in town, defeating national champion the Mongolian Stomper on a disqualification. Mr. Wrestling 2 and Andre also co-winners of a two-ring battle royal here in Augusta. And in the main event, the fabulous Freebirds, Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts, defeat the team of Ted DiBiase and Stan the Man Frazier by a countout to win the held-up national tag team titles. I wrote, kind of cheap, really? A countout? You can't just pin the plowboy? Right. I mean, that's the whole purpose of having Frazier around from the beginning was somebody to do the job and they went count out. I, I never understood it. Well, let's go back to January 31st. They take the belts off of him because the referee made a bad call, gave the win to the Freebirds, then realized that Gordy probably got involved in the matchup. And instead of doing a reverse decision deal, they hold the belts up. Damn you, Nick Patrick. So I'm not really sure, you know, what was going on with that. And then we get the return match here and this is, this ends in a count out. So what was the point of doing it to begin with, other than uh, figuring out a way to get the belts back on the birds? Why even take it off in the first place? Yeah, they should have just left it with them. Doesn't make any sense. I guess Fuller had the book, but might be the answer. Most likely. February 4th in Columbus, Georgia, at the Memorial Auditorium. It's Steve-O over Bobby Eaton on a DQ. Steve Kern going to a draw with Alexis Smirnoff. Georgia champion Tony Atlas over Kevin Sullivan. The national tag team champions, Gordian Roberts once again, defeating the team of Ted DiBiase and Stan Frazier, again on a countout. Andre the Giant Town, this had to be a fun one, Jamie. Andre the Giant defeating Michael Pula Sexy Hayes. And you know Hayes ran that entire match. Oh my God. He, <laughs> he, would he, probably, put ten, he probably got 10 miles in during that match. And he paid for it too. He came into the WWF and got fired by Andre, story goes. So maybe, maybe this match goes back to this match. You make me oh. run, I make you pay. However, we're also about six months away from them being tag partners. That is true. Oh, yeah. We got a lot of tag partners coming up here for Michael Hayes later on in the year, for sure. It's a who's who in wrestling will, he will team up with. And Otis Sistrunk. <laughs> uh, and Otis. I mean, it wasn't Otis's fault. He tried. He did try. At least he knew to, to run when the time was there. That's right. That's right. Georgia Championship Wrestling also invading Florence, Alabama on February the 6th at the Lauderdale County Coliseum. Andre the Giant in town yet again, this time on the card over the national heavyweight champion, the Mongolian Stomper, again on a DQ. Andre also picking up a win in a 12-man battle royal in Florence as we move on to February the 7th. TV at Atlanta, Georgia, WTBS Studios. What a stacked episode, too, Jamie, we're about to walk into. We've got Andre the Giant in town. We're going to hear from the world champion Harley Race. And not one, not two, but three. Count them three. Titles on the line here today. All of this with the Omni card looming just 24 hours away. A stacked card here this week at the 6.05. Talk about hot shotting to get people into the Omni. And it works again. <laughs> Wait till you get to my notes at the end of the show. Uh, preliminary action. Going to see Ted DiBiase and Robert Fuller. Still a team. Defeating the team of Deke Rivers and Abdul Zatar. Charlie Cook over Jack Poor. Kevin Sullivan defeats Tim Horner. White Lightning in town here. Mr. Wrestling 2 over Rocket Monroe. Steve Olsonowski beating Rick Connors. And the once again national tag team champions Freebirds. It's Gordy and Roberts defeating the team of Dennis Jackson and Chuck Levine. Or Levin, not really sure how you pronounce that. 
And then from there, it's a stacked TV heading into the Omni. Everyone in town, including, as I mentioned, handicap action, seeing Andre the Giant defeat the team of Ken Timms and the Gladiator. And then up next, newcomer to the Georgia Territory, the Big Moose, Jim Duggan, in the ring scoring a win over Jim Jones. As Gordon Sully mispronouncing Duggan's name all throughout the matchup, referring to him as Dugan, leading to this little ditty from the future hacksaw. Tough guy. We have a well, break. One thing right now, my name's Duggan, not Dugan. Duggan with two G's. I'm sick and tired of you rebels calling me Dugan. It's Duggan. I don't want to hear that again. You understand me? Well, I do indeed, sir. I apologize that we've uh, misnomered you by calling you Dugan. Your name is Duggan, is it? Duggan, right. That's right. You just saw what I did in the ring right now? Well, that's what's in store for all these peanut pickers down here in Georgia. Oh, really? All right. That's that, man. Yeah, okay. Well, we've gotten the comments from uh, Mr. Duggan, as he wishes to be called. It's Duggan with two G's, Jamie. Uh, just a simple way to get the crowd to chant Dugan, I suppose. Yeah, this is, uh, I believe, his first ever push. He's pretty fresh off of uh, WWF TV in the, in the uh, glorified jobber role. Right. Yeah, nineteen. And I don't think he's right. I don't think he stopped anywhere between WWF and here. So this is really his uh, first time big shot. Yeah, good call. See, when I was uh, watching him here, I kept thinking, hey, he probably went to Southwest before this. But you're right. Maybe that Southwest run hasn't happened yet. No, Southwest is definitely after this. It's before okay. he goes to... Um, Mid, or Mid-South. Mid-South, right. Okay. I got you. That's why I got you here, Jamie. Thank you for keeping me in line. Yeah, no problem. Hey, and another stu- <laughs> stupid little fact. Yeah. Um, another WWF jobber, and, and surprising to see the name in the results there, Jack Poor. Yes, he's in here a few and, times in, in the, uh, around this time period in Georgia. And in 1980, he did a lot of TV tapings for WWF. He did indeed, yes. And there's a lot of well, that on, uh, on the you, Peacock you, now. Right, but it, it is strange back at this time to see them. Uh, now, you saw Mid-Atlantic, Florida, Georgia all sharing, and I'll call them en- enhancement talent. Right. But you didn't see the WWF guys float down into the South too often. No, that's a hell of a drive just to you know do enhancement work for sure. It makes you wonder, did he maybe come down with Duggan? I don't know. Hey, good possibility. So we roll on. Our number two features a trifecta, guys, of competitive title matches. You heard me right. Starting with the National Tag Team Champions. Once again, the fabulous Freebirds, Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts, defeating the team of Robert Fuller and Stan Frazier. Talk about beating a dead horse here. Time for some changes. And the changes, they are coming when it comes to challengers here for the fabulous Freebirds. Oh, yeah, they're lined up and they're ready to come. Up next, Steve Kern defeats the national, the new national TV champion Bobby Eaton on a disqualification after about nine minutes of action. Of course, Eaton having defeated Steve O for the belt just last week on TV. Kern had Eaton in a sleeper hold here, looked like he was going to have him put away, but Eaton snapped marrying Kern over the top rope and out of the ring intentionally drawing a disqualification. So Bobby Eaton taking some shortcuts where he can to win the belt last week using the ropes to pin Steve O. And now here this week, intentionally getting himself disqualified to retain that TV title for yet another day. Yeah, Bobby's getting a nice little push here in Georgia, and he's going to hang around for a while yet. And then when he leaves here, I think this is where he goes to uh, Memphis and ends up teaming up with Coco uh, Ware. Big world title matchup coming at the Omni in just 24 hours' time. World heavyweight champion Harley Race scheduled to defend that NWA title against Tony Atlas right now. 
we're going to hear from both the champion and the challenger. Here's the world champion, Harley Race. Listen. Atlas right here on television. Right here in Atlanta, Georgia, not long ago, you stuck your nose in where it didn't belong. You tried to embarrass the world's heavyweight champion on television that goes nationwide. All you succeeded in doing, buddy, is making a man very angry. And you made Harley Race as mad as you can ever make him. I'm going to get even, Atlas. I'm going to take you in that omni, and I've given you every opportunity that it takes to take this away from me. But when I get you there, buddy, if it takes going right there to get it done, here, no matter where it's at, and I want to prove it to you that I can stand the pain. Take a look right there. A little bit of blood ain't going to stop me. I'm coming after you, buddy, and I'm going to have you. I'm you tell you one thing, I'm glad, Holly Race, that you can stand some pain. Now, you put Ole Anderson, you put Spurn off, you put a whole lot of people against me trying to keep me from this title match. Now you got the stopper coming against me. I'm going to whoop him later on, then I'm going to whoop you for that belt, Holly Race. I got some pain for you. So you guys couldn't see it here listening to the podcast, but Harley Race busting himself open, uh, opening up a wound he had on his forehead here, uh, clearly meaning business in this return matchup. Remember, it was Race getting pinned by Atlas in a tag team match last go around at the Omni. This time, Race, or excuse me, Tony Atlas coming for the title. And meanwhile there, we heard Tony Atlas talking the names that Race has sent in in an attempt to try to take him out. But he's still standing, and he's going to whip Race for the belt at the, what Race would call, the Omni. I had never heard anyone else but Terry Gordy say that before. <laughs> you know, I've been doing 87 WWF, and, uh, you know, the Heenan family's feuding with Ken Patera right now. And Harley started cutting a promo on Patera. And he kept calling him Pantera. And the first time he did it, I thought, okay, mistake, whatever. But he literally does it three times in the promo. And I just love that he's going, I'm going to tell you something, Pantera. It's just like, wow, just talk about a uh, different context. If you just listened to that <laughs> promo and had no idea, was Harley Race working Lucha? What the hell's going on here? <laughs> well, I'll t- tell you what, though. Harley, especially in that interview, is just like goalie. you got to believe if wrestling's not real, Harley Race is real. Yes, absolutely. Harley really put his heart and soul in there. He's uh, coming to town to defend the title. That's the big show at the Omni, and he's selling it hard here, trying to get Tony Atlas over, not that he needs to. Atlas is super over with the uh, Georgia crowd at this point. Yeah, those fans that used to believe that maybe the entire show wasn't real, but the world title matches were real. Yep. And you'd have to believe, after listening to Harley Race, that Harley Race was real. Yeah, it was so funny how you had different fans. Some Some of them thought, and this is all probably, you know, not on the up and up, but they went along with it. They suspended their disbelief. You had other ones that simply didn't believe that probably weren't fans back in those days. And then you, you had those that picked and chose what they thought was real and what wasn't. Well, these matches, these guys aren't real, but these guys are. And, and it was always the world champion. And certainly Harley Race is one of those guys that just made you believe. I never met Harley, but I think if I had, I would have definitely been very, very timid if I had. He was very welcoming. I only met him one time in a locker room, and I had a nice conversation. It was a very short, but a very nice conversation. He was uh, felt very welcoming when I went up to him, but his hand, no wonder he used to bust people wide open. You remember how they always talked how he would open people up the hard way with one shot? Yes. His hand for his size, I mean, he's a big guy, but his hand is even bigger than what it should be for a, a man his size. He had giant really? hands when I went to shake his, yeah. I mean, Harley was, I mean, even then, and this is well, 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 you were talking early 2000s. 
And uh, Race delivered a suplex, just a suplex, and he shouldn't even have been doing that, on that show, and it was the loudest pop of the entire night. By that time, were they still doing the uh, special handshake, the late handshake, when no, you met him? No, be, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, were taught to do that still, and the ones that were still doing it by that point were kind of getting cussed out and yelled at and told, we don't do this shit anymore, like we've moved past this kind of deal. So it's kind yeah, of- Yeah, that threw me off. Yeah. Yeah, that threw me off the first time I ever um, shook hands with a with a wrestler in a um, be, in a behind the scenes kind of setting. Right, it was the whole you know soft handshake. I'm kind of wondering what in the world it was, and then it was explained to me. Shh, kayfabe, kayfabe. <laughs> Show goes on. It's Junkyard Dog defeating Rick Craven in short fashion, but for some reason we get this promo from a super winded JYD. Fair warning, Jamie and everybody out there. It does run about four minutes time, but Dog here explaining the blinding angle with the Freebirds from the Mid-South Territory, leading to the Freebirds confronting the Dog at the end of this promo. And be sure to listen at the end to Gordon Sully. Some really fun stuff upcoming here. It's the JYD. He came here to Atlanta, Georgia with a mission, a purpose in mind. Here's a man who is a great athlete, a former pro football player. Uh, a great amateur wrestler, now a great pro wrestler, but there is a reason for your being here now. Well, we're here today. I want the people all throughout the world to watch this piece of film that I bought in here. I wish, you know, they get together now and roll this thing. Well, let me, let me explain something first. I understand there were some certain stipulations regarding the particular match that took place. Yes, you know, we had a Miss South tag team Tyler Cronenberg Robley and myself against the Freebirds. And we started knowing anything about the hair match. And if we lost the match, Cronenberg Robley had to lose his hair, which I didn't know anything about. And during this time, our dressing room got ramshacked and we had an article that was missing out of there, which we couldn't find. find and later on, it was bought up. Now then, I think that's the point that we really need to make abundantly clear is that this article that was missing was critical to what happened to you. Yes, it was very critical to me and my family. Hayes, Gordon, and anybody else in this area that want to sign their name on a contract, but I'm pointing this particularly to you, anywhere throughout the world. Oh! I'm ready, Daddy. 285 beautiful pals. Let me tell you something, Mrs. Hayes. You cost me something. You cost dog not to be able to see his baby girl when she was born. You cost me three and a half months laid up into darkness. And now, Hayes, I'm on your trail. I smell you, Hayes. I smell you. And I know he's here. Well, there's no question about the fact that he's here. And the fact is this was a hairspray or a hair cream that was, uh, well, the only thing I can say is illegally used. There's no question we about it. We had a thing analyzed, and the guy said it was a mixture between hair remover that women's use on their arms, I guess Mrs. Hayes used on her legs, and uh, that uh, magic shave powder. Yeah, a, d a depilatory, if you will. And so I'll tell you what, let's take a look right now. Let's journey to New Orleans and see exactly what the junkyard dog is talking about. Well, this is a sold-out capacity crowd at the Superdome there in New Orleans was Colonel Buck Rowley and myself against Michelle Hayes, yeah! Terry Gordon, and Buddy Roberts. And see, this is the thing I'm talking about. That container there, 
It belongs to Paul Orndorff. Now, our dressing room is ramshackle. A lot of guys go over and exercise, get themselves loosened up before a match. And Paul Orndorff couldn't find this thing. So we thought somebody had, you know, he had misplacement left at home, which was a hair remover that he was using against Ken Mantello in the previous match that was taken out of his back. And I don't know to this day how he's got a hold to it. Well, of course, you say that. You say you don't have all your marbles. I think you're probably one of the brightest men that I've ever met in this professional ring. Michelle Hayes should split the ropes. That's the last thing I remember. I hit the floor, bumped into the ring pole, and I was out. So right that buck was on who's three-on-one by itself. A three-on-one, that's virtually impossible. Yeah, but see, this is a no-disqualification-type match. Unless the anything goes. So that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to take fight fire with fire. That three-on-one situation is going to take its toll. You know, with that clothesline, and that usually took the one on anybody, and they had to get beat. Now, see, here's that container there, which I didn't know anything about it. Let's see right there. I thought some, you know, a lot of times the fans throw things into the ring. I thought it was some type of beer or something that somebody had threw into my eyes or threw into the ring, and it scattered, you know, it shot off in my face. Hey. There you go, sweets. Let me tell you something. Don't come out here selling no wolf tickets. Don't sell no wolf tickets. I tell you what. I'll take you on now. I don't think you got your three tickets. Hey. Hold it. Hold it. Now, wait a minute. No, sir. No, sir. Now, we will not have that here. No, sir. We'll be back. We'll, we'll be back in a moment. And I. Ah, no, sir. No, sir. We will not have that here. God, I love Gordon. The VTR is played, and I edited it down quite a bit because they showed a good chunk of that Freebirds, uh, Robley, and Dog match from the Mid-South Wrestling Territory at the Superdome back in time last year when the birds blinded the dog with that special hair cream, which we learned now was, was apparently made of nair or something along those lines. The birds confront at the end there, but no, sir. Gordon solely having none of that. So the JYD Freebird feud bleeds over from Mid-South Wrestling now into the state of Georgia as Robert Fuller clearly slowly losing the book here. And I don't know about you, Jamie, but the team of Dog and DiBiase equals greater than the team of Robert Fuller and the Plowboy. Oh, it's like an all-star team. You're putting DiBiase and JYD together, and here it is. The Bill Watts influence starting to, to creep in even more than it has been. We, we've seen it coming during the month of January. Right. And now it's even creeping in that much more. And even mentioned the hair cream came from Paul Orndorff's bag. From a match with Ken Mantell. It's, I mean, they, they covered it. Yeah, they the just The details covered, are just unbelievable. Yeah. The, the lengths that they went to uh, at this point. Right, yeah. And it wasn't like Fuller booking. Fuller comes in, things change overnight. These guys are out. These guys are in. All of my guys are here now. Austin Idol and Kim, Kevin Sullivan split apart. Robert Fuller and Stan Frazier, all of a sudden, the new thing. And when that doesn't work, DiBiase quickly slid in there, probably to replace Austin Idol as the third man in that group. But, I mean, it's just so funny. Like you said, Bill Watts slowly getting control here. He's not doing it all in one shot. It's a little bit each week, and he's doing a fantastic job. And I got to ask you, did you enjoy listening to Gordon? They're really trying to hold the fort down. No, sir, we will not have that here. If you didn't know what Gordon looked like, you would have pictured him being like Andre the Giant size, ready to break all that off. <laughs> Ten feet tall with a board. Bill Watts style again. <laughs> walking, yeah. walking tall Gordon Soley. <laughs> Boy, that would have been a hell of a gimmick if they could have gave Gordon a gimmick. Just uh, a vodka in one hand and a board in the other. <laughs> well, I'm not going to have any of this shit out here. Uh-uh. Nah, we'll, just, you know, we'll just keep Gordon the way he was. God bless him. <laughs> uh 
And last but not least here this week on TV, it's Georgia heavyweight champion Tony Atlas taking on the national heavyweight champion, the Mongolian Stomper. Atlas scoring the win here on a DQ after manager Don Carson aiding the Stomper in tying Atlas in the ropes while the Stomper relentlessly assaults the helpless Atlas there. But it's Andre the Giant out to make the save as the locker room begins to clear out. Wild brawl in the ring to end the show. And damn it, Jamie, they did it again. Hooked me at the last minute for yet another Omni card. You know I'm going to be there. Those giant brawls do it every time. Yeah, we're going to have the battle of the eighth wonders of the world. Which one will be the official eighth wonder of the world after the Omni show? You better be there or you're not going to be able to find out. And they hook everybody. It's champion versus champion to close the show. Atlas and Stomper, the top two champions of the territory. Of course, there's no finish here. You didn't really expect it coming. Stomper getting Atlas in a, in a bad way. And Andre the Giant, like you said, it's the battle of the eighth wonder for the name, or the, the, I guess the moniker moving forward to the eighth wonder of the world. Is it the Stomper? Is it Andre the Giant? Andre out to make the save and also get his hands on the Stomper nevertheless. And then the locker room just clears out. All sorts of guys in the ring. Wild brawl. Boom. Georgia Championship Wrestling goes off TV, and I'm headed to the Omni tomorrow night. Yeah, you, me, and <laughs> the entire state of Georgia, probably. I'm telling you. And a, a quick refresher, guys, in regards to the card on February the 8th, NWA World Champion Harley Race against Tony Atlas, Andre the Giant against the Mongolian Stomper. I, I presume it's for the national heavyweight title as well, but we also find out who is the real eighth wonder of the world. It's fifteen grand versus the Lincoln Continental Town Car when Fuller and DiBiase meet the Freebirds with Michael Hayes and Junkyard Dog handcuffed to one another at ringside. And then the quote-unquote, I, I wrote quotations around this, in a throwaway match, listen to this, guys, Ole Anderson versus Mr. Wrestling 2. It's just a random match on the card. Plus Kevin Sullivan versus Steve Kern in a Boston street fight. Charlie Cook against Alexis Smirnoff and TV champion Bob Eaton taking on Steve O. What a card, top to bottom, literally. Yeah, and they, you didn't play it, but I remember seeing the interviews between Sullivan and Kern for this uh, Boston Street fight, and it, it was very well done. Very intense interviews on both their parts where Sullivan says, "I'm basically, I'm from Boston. You've never been in one of these, even though we've seen the results for the last month. They've had a, half a dozen of them. And then Kern saying, I'm not scared to, to be in a match like this. I know how to fight. Very good interview. Well, thank you for the synopsis, Jamie. If I'd found it, I, I presume I would have I would have grabbed it here, I, or I don't, I'm not really sure what the situation is. I guess you just missed it. I I caught it on YouTube, and I had that okay. down in a, in a note. So, no, um, but that's very cool. I appreciate you bringing that to the show, because you know I'm trying to, like, trying to hit every nook and cranny of what was going on here. And it's just, it's a little harder here at the beginning of the year. The, the footage is all over the place. It's on YouTube. Hey, the, I have the some blind myself. squirrel found a nut for once. So thank you. You, you, you thank do you. all the hard work, right? <laughs> I'm just here for the ride. Oh man, we I'm thank just you happy so much. To, you know to find something. Oh, I I appreciate it, man. And, and anytime, let me know. You know, uh, but we'll roll on here. Uh, also on February the seventh, remember, guys, they tape TV earlier in the morning, so they still have house shows later in the day. And it is Georgia Championship Wrestling stopping by the fairgrounds in Carrollton, Georgia. Going to see Ted DiBiase and Robert Fuller over those nasty freebirds of Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts on a DQ. Also, Kevin Sullivan over Stan Frazier on a count out there. They left Stan Frazier down in Carrollton, while the rest of the roster later that day, February the 7th, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, at the Memorial Auditorium. It was Steve O over Bobby Eaton on a DQ. Charlie Cook going to a draw with Big Jim Dugan. I'm sorry, Duggan. Steve Kern 
Over Ole Anderson on a DQ, Andre the Giant defeating the Mongolian Stomper by disqualification, and Mr. Wrestling 2 over the NWA World Heavyweight Champion Harley Race by DQ as well. Five matches, four of them ending on a disqualification. And to show you how much Georgia Championship Wrestling is, is growing at this time, this is actually a triple shot because when they get done in Atlanta, they got to drive to Columbus right. and do the Columbus TV for an hour or so and then make the drive to Carlton and uh, Chattanooga. Yeah, and I think we just briefly touched on that during the Setting the Stage episode. But yeah, for those who don't know, they didn't just record the TBS in Atlanta, the TBS show. They also had to go specifically to Fred Ward's town of Columbus and film TV there specifically for the Columbus fans. Right. I, no, I'm not saying all these guys all attended the Columbus right, taping, no. but still they, they had to go to some of those guys definitely went to Columbus and ended up working three times in one day. Yeah, and usually it wasn't too many guys. They, the matches ran a little longer, kind of filled, just filled up the time there. I, I'm not sure if the – at one point, the show only went 30 minutes, if I remember correctly, but I know it was also an hour at times, and they would send anywhere from four to six guys usually to fill the hour. Right, because that's where Funk beat Terry Taylor for the TV title that we discussed on the uh, on the Setting the Stage episode. Right, yeah, I remember you bringing that up. Wait, another another little ditty you came up with there, see? So you're, you're contributing more than you know, Jamie. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. <laughs> we move on. February 8th, a matinee show in Griffin, Georgia. So before they get to the Omni, yep, they're working here. Double shot on the day of the big show in the Omni here in Griffin, Georgia at the Mid-South Auditorium. Kevin Sullivan going to a draw with Steve O. Steve Kern over, I want to call him Hacksaw, Jim Duggan. It's Stan Frazier defeating the Mongolian Stomper. Yikes. Luckily, I would have loved to see that match. Luckily, just on a disqualification. No title changing hands there. Stomper's still the national champion coming out of there. Could you imagine heading to the Omni later that night and them announcing over the PA that Stan Frazier has captured the national title from the Stomper? Could you believe that? Oh, my God. Because he accidentally fell on top of him and, and squashed I, him. And I would believe and, that. Now, I believe couldn't roll story. out at the three count. I think that's how Men on a Mission defeated the Quebecers for the titles on like a European tour. If I remember correctly, like... Mabel fell on top of somebody and they didn't kick out well enough. And they had to, you know, they dropped the belts and they gave it back like a day or two later on an overseas tour. Yeah. They used to tell the referees to make the three count. Right. If the guys didn't kick out. Oh, well, we'll adjust. Also here in Griffin, Andre, the giant working the show, six man tag team action. Going to see Andre wrestling two and Robert Fuller defeating all three fabulous freebirds there in the main event in Griffin. Before we head on to Atlanta, GA and the Omni February the 8th, in the opener, it's Charlie Cook over Alexis Smirnoff. From there, Big Jim Duggan battling Ted Oates to a draw. Now, Ted Oates subbing here for Dick Slater. Going to get into that in just a minute. But I've also seen Ted Oates defeated Jim Duggan. So, again, I've, we've seen that a, a few times. Contradictory to one another. Some of these results, usually on the undercard. In this instance, it's a, a draw or either Jim Duggan scoring the win here over Ted Oates. Take your pick. Either way, Oates uh, originally not the one scheduled to take on Jim Duggan here. Initially, it was supposed to be Dick Slater in this spot, and I teased it on last episode, Jamie, and I want to follow up with it here this week. Dick Slater originally scheduled here, but Slater is out with a major concussion after a car accident with Terry Funk and Tully Blanchard also involved in the city of Houston on February the 6th. Now, the Funker, he missed at least one scheduled matchup following that accident. Tully Blanchard back in action soon as well, but Dick Slater is reported to be the worst injured but even he is still wrestling again in just about a week's time. And of course, we know back then, that's how it worked in this era. 
Dick very likely had no business back in the ring that quickly. Not that he was ever playing with a full deck to begin with, but I've also heard that Slater was never mentally the same again after this car accident. No, really. See, until you mentioned, I had never heard this story, so I find it very interesting. So years ago, I had heard this in a shoot interview, and clearly it wasn't Dick telling this, but somebody talked about Dick Slater. They brought it up. They said after this car accident, he was never the same. So I did some digging then, and I, I found all this information way back when. This is years ago. I, I remembered that accident, but I couldn't remember when it was. I don't re- couldn't remember when it happened, what territory it took place in or anything. So here it is. It's back in my mind after all these years. And uh, yeah, but I, I've heard various people say that, and they just kind of reference it in passing. Dick Slater was never the same after that car accident. So uh, we, we all know that Dick Slater was always kind of crazy, but I guess this one kind of did him in. This held him back from maybe taking it to that next level. He was never the same, they say. I wasn't there. I don't know. Wasn't a friend of Dick Slater. Didn't hang out with Dick Slater. I can't vouch, you know, for any of these stories. But a lot of people reference this car crash as uh, just it changed him uh, mentally forever. Well, thinking about it, not that I've ever remember seeing any Dick Slater or a lot of Dick Slater pre that car accident. Right. But definitely after that car accident, uh, even though I didn't know it, you know, thinking back, he, he didn't look like he was playing with both oars in the water a lot of times. Right. When he came out for interviews, he, even during that uh, Middle Atlantic run where he's Harley races bounty hunter with yeah. Bob Orton Jr. Right, right. Uh, he, he never looked like he was playing with a full deck when you looked into his eyes. Yeah, so it's it's unfortunate here and Slater misses this show. And so uh, and, and they get word of it because on that episode of TV leading into this on the 7th, they announced Ted Oates as taking on Jim Duggan. So they knew ahead of time and, you know. Card subject to change. They could have said Dick Slater, but they opted not to. And, and they changed the, the matchup, obviously, uh, when they were uh, taping TV just the day prior. So that's kind of cool. People walked in knowing they weren't getting the match they thought they were going to get. But very unfortunate to hear. But Dick Slater back on the road in a week. And that happened all the time back then. Guys always telling those uh, stories, bragging. You know, back in my day, we had to wrestle with injuries or we weren't getting paid. Well, some injuries weren't probably worth wrestling for. And this one sounds like maybe should have taken a little more time off. Yeah, it definitely sounds that way. But, you know, having uh, Ted Oates as a substitute in Georgia at that time, that really wasn't that bad of a substitute because they were they weren't main event pushed. But the Oates brothers were always pushed and right. had that next level of success. Yeah, I mean, they were just sitting on the sidelines waiting to get brought in whenever they could be used. I hate to say it that way, but it worked out here for, for Georgia anyway. Right. And they always had a competitive match. They would lose once in a while, but they would never get crushed. So we roll on here at the Omni. It's Kevin Sullivan defeating his arch rival, Steve Kern, here in the Boston street fight. So the Boston Battler going to get the win here over Steve Kern in his namesake or city's sake street fight anyway. Also on the card, it's Steve Olsonowski, Steve O, defeating the national TV champion Bobby Eaton to recapture the television title with a reverse rolling cradle here. So Bobby Eaton didn't hold the belt too long, but I mean, that big win on TV that really made people take notice to Bobby Eaton, which I think was really all the idea here, but it didn't take long. Steve-O regaining the belt, more plans ahead for Steve Olsonowski. Right. The Steve-O push continues. They must have really liked him. I mean, coming from September, hanging around mid card, and then all of a sudden at the end of December, basically all the way through the rest of his run, he's always on the upper end of the card. 
Yeah, I don't, I can't really explain it again. There's really nothing wrong with him. I just, I don't see it. You know, they talk about it. I just don't see it. Yeah, his interviews were, I mean, they threw him out there enough for commentary, I guess, trying to get him to experience, get him the experience yeah. and have him come out of his shell. But he just kind of hung in that shell most of the time. Right. Also on the card, remember that throwaway match I was talking about between two of the best? It's Mr. Wrestling 2 going over on Ole Anderson here. I think it's by pinfall, but I've also seen disqualification. So here we are again. But it also makes the fourth straight singles loss for Ole Anderson here in the Omni. The last four singles matches, losing it to the Cowboy Bill Watts, Tony Atlas, Dusty Rhodes, and now Mr. Wrestling 2. Now, they're all big names. Nothing to be ashamed of. Just Ole's on the losing end quite a bit lately, and I'm assuming that that'll change before too long. Well, it's because he's booking Mid-Atlantic at this point. I, I don't think we see Ole again until May. After this, from just off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I think maybe he's going to do... Uh, you're, you know what, you could be right, because I think some of the matches that they air on TV are actually pre-taped from like last year with the Minnesota Wrecking Crew moving forward here for a little bit. So you could be onto something there. Unlike Robert Fuller, only <laughs> does what's best for the team. <laughs> Non-title action. Sees Ted DiBiase and Robert Fuller taking on the national tag team champions, the fabulous Freebirds, Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts with the Junkyard Dog and Michael Hayes handcuffed together for the duration of the matchup. It was Fuller and DiBiase's $15,000 versus the Freebirds Lincoln Continental Town Car that they won from Robert Fuller last month. It is DiBiase and Fuller defeating the Freebirds here. Finished seeing Michael Hayes tripping up DiBiase from the floor. Hayes then jumping into the ring, but he's cuffed to the dog, so he has to bring JYD in with him, leading to Buddy Roberts running into a big left hand from the dog, Robert Fuller making the cover and the baby faces getting the win there. Robert Fuller gets his town car back. They get to keep that 15 grand and junkyard dog proving to be a good foil for the Freebirds in Georgia as well. Yeah. It's just a shame. It wasn't a tag title match. Yeah. They would have had everything. That would have been it. And Robert Fuller would have had a reason to have to stick around here. <laughs> Poor Robert. <laughs> also but, on the, but in, in, in all seriousness. <laughs> yeah. Robert Fuller ruined this uh free bird in all feud. seriousness yeah very seriousness <laughs> i i i mean by interjecting himself i mean could, could you imagine dibiase and idol going against the Freebirds, or idol and anybody else i'm, I'm gonna go going back and i think i think dibiase obviously is an ex extremely awesome choice obviously but I go back to just the storyline with Sullivan. I'm, I'm not saying Sullivan's right. the level of a DiBiase, but the story was there enough to make you still be invested enough that it was far bigger the deal than, than Robert Fuller. And again, you know, it's like when I have to defend Hulk Hogan on my 87 show in the WWF, I was never a Hulk Hogan fan. And I grew up as a kid, 5 to 12, during the Hulkamania era, and I was still never a Hulkamaniac. So, I mean, it. but I have to defend him and people are like, oh, you're a Hogan fan. No, I'm just facts are facts. You know what I mean? Even Dave Meltzer is going to tell you, no, the business changed because of Hulk Hogan. I see him do it all the time. And then here in Georgia, you know, I feel like I'm constantly ripping on Robert Fuller, but maybe I'm just ripping on his booking because I always loved Fuller. The first time I ever saw him, I didn't get to see him until late in his career, was uh, in Dallas when he was teaming with Jeff Jarrett there when he was doing USWA oh. in Dallas and Memphis. And uh, I, yeah, got see, I got to see some of that stuff, but I loved it as a kid, Jamie, as like 9, 10, 11, whatever it was. I didn't care, you know, that he wasn't the greatest worker by then or whatever. He was just cool. He exuded coolness. You know what I mean? And I, I enjoyed yeah, I him. Thought he was at her, I was in Memphis for one of the Joel Goodhart trips okay. when Fuller was um, the lead heel against Lawler. Okay. 
And I, I thought he was a pretty cool dude, you know, being in the studio and seeing how he commanded the interview uh, segments. Yeah, he was awesome. I loved his promos. I loved his foghorn leghorn shit in WCW. He was always fun, even if he was given crap. I mean, if you could just look past the crap and just see what he did with it, it, it was always a fun time. If you were just going to try to have some fun, he, he, he was cool. And uh, but yeah, I just go back and, and I never had a, a bad memory of Robert Fuller, even though I caught him at, like I said, the tail end of his career. But here, man, and I don't have a problem with him wrestling here in Georgia. I'm happy that he's here on my TV screen. But man, I mean, his booking is highly questionable. Yeah, I'm wondering if he had all the programs or just a Freebird program that he was booking. Because some of the other stuff's actually pretty good. My understanding was he just he had the book. He was the one calling the shots, or at least for the okay. f- first few first few months that he was doing this anyway. But if you go back and look at all these little periods in time where Robert Fuller's booked around here and there, he he seems to favor tag team matches as the main event, and he always seems to place himself in said tag team matches as well. So I mean, I'm just saying. Right. All right, let's move on. Enough of Robert Fuller bringing the story down. That's all right. Well, we'll pick it back up here because it's Andre the Giant defeating the national heavyweight champion, the Mongolian stomper, Don Carson, at ringside as well. Andre going to get the big DQ win here. After interference from Don Carson and post-match, it's Andre placing Carson in a bear hug until the stomper attacking Andre from behind. So Andre winning the match and gets to keep the rights to the eighth wonder of the world moniker. However, he doesn't get the national title if it was even on the line. I have no idea. But Andre the Giant picking up a DQ win here over the Stomper and gets his hands on Don Carson post-match. But the Stomper coming right back after Andre as well. So trying to save face there is the national champion. Yeah, I mean, they were never going to put the belt on Andre anyway. But right. it's still a good way to, to get uh, an ending for that match. Oh, totally agree here. As we head to the main event, here it is. It was just last month that Tony Atlas pinned the NWA world champion Harley Race in a tag team matchup. Well, now he gets himself a title shot as we see the NWA world champion Harley Race battle the Georgia heavyweight champion Tony Atlas to a double countout. When the two men were fighting on the floor, Tony Atlas attempting to get back in the ring before the count of 10, but Race grabbing Atlas by the arm, preventing him from getting back inside. So a non-finish here, which is going to lead to a return match on March the 1st in the Omni, this time inside a steel cage. Sounds like something Kevin Sullivan would have done. Grabbing your arm to keep the guy from rolling in the ring. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Sullivan's been uh, a master lately of uh, odd finishes and uh, doing, you know, it's been very enjoyable. But uh, I love the story that even though they gave you the double count out finish, we had a lot of great matches here on this card, though, so I'm not angry about it. But even though they do the double count out here, it all makes sense at the end of the night. It's kind of like Madison Square Garden, right? You do the DQ or the, the blood loss or whatever, but you're going to bring it back inside the steel cage. That way nobody can be counted out. But the difference is Madison Square Garden, that would have been halfway through the show and not the end of the show to send the people home with the uh, eh, feeling. Right. <laughs> Book a little different here down in the territory of Georgia. Right. I mean, Florida Mid-Atlantic did the same thing. They always put the main event on last. It was only WWF that would always put the main event on in the middle of the show so they could right. sell tickets to the next show. And then the last couple of matches didn't matter. Yeah, prior to intermission, that way they would have time to announce the return match. Right, and the complete card for the next one. But I just meant storyline-wise, I'm I'm in favor of... Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. The double count-out, nobody's ever a fan of the double count-out, but if it's part of the story you're getting to the steel cage match, I'm all for it here. I enjoyed it. 
and this is the, what their third or fourth match because well, they had October and November, right? Right, yeah, they or did September wrestle, uh, and October. They did two matches. Now you're going to have the conclusion in March once and for all. Right, yeah, it's uh, it's been a pretty telling story over the last say five months between Tony Atlas and Harley Race, and it's all going to come to a head on the March first Omni card. But for now, we're going to roll on. Look at some more house shows heading into the next week of TV. February 9th, Augusta, Georgia, Bell Auditorium. Steve O over Jim Duggan. Steve Kern defeating Bobby Eaton. It's Tony Atlas over Kevin Sullivan, former friend Kevin Sullivan. Atlas and Sullivan wrestling a lot here on the house shows over the last couple weeks. Fabulous Freebirds and six-man tag team action. Going to pick up the win over Ted DiBiase, Robert Fuller, and Stan Frazier. Hopefully Frazier, the one taking the fall. And in the main event, it's Mr. Wrestling <laughs> 2 over the national heavyweight champion Mongolian Stomper on a disqualification and we continue on February 10th in Macon, Georgia at the Coliseum. It's Steve-O over Big Jim Duggan. Tony Atlas defeating Kevin Sullivan. The Mongolian Stomper over Steve Kern. Freebirds, Gordy and Roberts defeating Robert Fuller and DiBiase on a disqualification there. Move ahead yet another day. February 11th, Columbus, Georgia at the Memorial Auditorium. Mr. Wrestling 2 over Kevin Sullivan. Steve Kern defeating Jim Duggan. Ted DiBiase going one-on-one -on -one with Michael Hayes, getting his hands on Hayes. That could have been fun. It's DiBiase over Hayes on a DQ. Also on the card, Tony Atlas over the Mongolian Stomper in a reverse decision disqualification. And listen to this, guys. The fabulous Freebirds of Buddy Roberts and Terry Gordy defeat the team of Robert Fuller and Stan Frazier in a loser of the fall leaves town match. So I'm guessing Stan did the job here. Can we have a moment of silence, please? Here comes the 10 because salute. <laughs> God bless Stan Frazier. <laughs> He's not gone completely yet, though, Jamie. I think he pops up on another house show or two in a couple other cities. But for all oh, intents no, and purposes, would, they wouldn't do that. <laughs> for all intents and purposes, we bid adieu to the Plowboy here as we move on to February 13th in Gadsden, Alabama, East Gadsden Recreation Center. It's a fun random six man tag team matchup on the card Steve Kern, Ted DiBiase, and Steve O over the team of Bobby Eaton, Kevin Sullivan, and Jim Duggan. How's that? For, uh, Actually, uh, that would be one hell of a six-man tag match. Yeah, hell of a mixed bag there. Just really cool stuff. Lots of awesome names just mixed in there. Really cool. Or even if you want to fast-forward that match about five years, imagine the level of that match. Oh, my God. DiBiase on Kern, a fa fabulous one by then. You got Duggan, Eaton, Kevin Salt. My God, yeah. Steve and, O's the only Steve, one on the out then. <laughs> well, he was a ninja by that point. Oh, yeah, he sure was. Shh, kayfabe, man. I told you. Ah, damn. <laughs> we move on to another episode of TV here on Valentine's Day, February the 14th in TBS Studios. It's Steve Kern over Bobby Garrett. Did you ever see Bobby Garrett work those uh, outlaw shows as Blackjack Bobby Garrett? No, I've only ever seen him on TV, but I always thought he should have got some kind of push. Yeah, he could have gone like the, I mean, because I know he, he did enhancement work in, in Florida also and in Mid-Atlantic, but I think he could have got a push somewhere. Yeah, I think I think it was down here in Georgia, one of those outlaw shows, probably with Thunderbolt Patterson or whatever running it. Uh, but I, he was uh, Blackjack Bobby Garrett there for just a little bit. And it worked, I mean, for that level of, of a territory anyway. But it worked. Right. I, I bought it. We go on. It's Ted DiBiase and Robert Fuller here on TV over Ken Timms. And I, I have Marty Rivers here in the results, but I'm assuming maybe it was Deke Rivers. Not really sure there. And then from there, it's Georgia heavyweight champion Tony Atlas defeating Dan Collins, and they did a little funny deal here. I don't know if you got to see this on uh, TV, uh, but at the start of the match, it's Valentine's Day, remember, guys? 
Tony Atlas almost counted out of the ring before the action when he was busy handing out candy to all of the kids at ringside. So Collins, not so lucky, though, Atlas beating the count in the ring and scoring the win there in a fun little, I don't want to call it an angle, but a fun little thing there for TV. Yeah, I think the ref was just messing with him. <laughs> also on the show, ooh, Charlie Cook defeats Big Jim Duggan with an inside cradle, but post-match, Duggan with a sucker punch, sending Cook out of the ring into the floor. Big Jim then taking off afterwards, doesn't want to get any repercussions there from Charlie Cook. Uh, this is the beginning of the former footballers feud here between Duggan and Charlie Cook. Duggan sold as a former Atlanta Falcon. Cook, he had played at Grambling and a former Pittsburgh Steeler. Though I should note and, and ruin the storyline for some, uh, neither man actually playing during the regular season for the NFL that I'm aware of anyway, but to be signed to the pros in any form shows their legitimacy as an athlete uh, as well as a, a football player for sure. Yeah, I always liked when they went into personal backgrounds in wrestling. It, it made wrestling look better. So you love Jim Ross, is what you're telling me. <laughs> oh, I love Jim Ross and, the, and that background stuff, especially in the Mid-South days. But how many times could Brian Pillman win the Ed Block Courage Award? Tell me. I mean. 175, 133. Going, they going should have just renamed it. The, it I know, <laughs> the, but they should have just renamed it the Brian Pillman Award. Yeah, after Jim Ross got a hold of it, you're absolutely right. <laughs> we roll on with more TV here. So last week we saw Andre, I think, yeah, it was last week we saw Andre score a win in a handicap match. This week, it's the national heavyweight champion, Mongolian Stomper in a handicap match, Don Carson in his corner. Stomper scoring a win here over the team of Dave Stanley and Jim Jones. Also here on TV this week, Mr. Wrestling 2 over JT Jaggers. Not sure I'm familiar with that one. Also, beautiful, well, I want to call him beautiful. He's not quite beautiful yet. Doesn't have the blonde hair. It's Bobby Eaton defeating Mike Jackson. When Mike was getting up for a flying head scissors, Eaton countering that into a big slam and then busting out an Oklahoma stampede from Bobby Eaton here. Talk about influence from the cowboy. Then the sidewalk slam into the backbreaker. Patented backbreaker there. Patented Eaton backbreaker, I should say. Getting the win with an exclamation point. And no better person than Mike Jackson going to make you look good in there on the other end in a squash match. And this is a great preview of things to come for Bobby. Yeah, he looked good here. And thank, you know, Jackson being a smaller guy and really nimble getting around that ring just made Eaton look like a, a superstar in there. Uh, Jackson would make anybody look like a superstar. Well, that's true, too. Also on the show, national tag team champions, the Freebirds. It's Gordy and Roberts defeating the team of Mike Davis and Jack Poor. As we learn, the Freebirds have yet another matchup upcoming against the team of Ted DiBiase and Robert Fuller. At the next Omni card on March the 1st, this time it's the Freebirds' choice of match, a Fantasia Gamble match. Let's hear from the champs as they explain exactly what is a Fantasia Gamble match. Regarding the Georgia Tag Team Championship, on March 1st at the Omni, the Fantasia Gamble. I've had Robert and Ted explain it to me. I wonder if you'd mind uh, explaining it. Gordon, just hush a minute. Let me tell you something. I've been up all night long. They've been up all night long. We've been flying all night long to get here to explain this match because for the first time in history, a Fantasia Gamble. Now these mitwits that come out here are as stupid as the people that come to the arenas that proclaim these people and wish to see them try to beat us. They didn't even understand it. Now, they hit it right when they said, 
that the loser of the first fall must swap out with his partner in the corner in the handcuffs. But what they neglected to say, which is the whole reason for the Fantasia gamble, is the winner of the first fall gets to unloosen their man in the handcuffs, and then come the second fall, it will be three on two. <laughs> and I may remind you that when it comes to three on two, you're looking at the greatest and the best, undoubtedly. Now, you mean to tell me if you're handcuffed in the first fall, and then if either one of your men win, you're, un you're released? That's right. Wow. It's just like this. Either way, we're going to get down and dog. The Freebirds have done it again, and, and it'll be March 1st. The Freebirds have done it again. Gordon Sully uh, kind of trying to understand the rules of the matchup there. And once he does figure them out, oh, he, he sees, he, like Michael Hayes says, nobody does it better three on two than the fabulous Freebirds. And it's been that way their entire run since September. Hayes is outsmarted them all. And I'm going to try to make sense of these rules here because it took me a couple tries to actually figure this out as it's going to be Gordy and Robert starting the match against Robert Fuller and Ted DiBiase with Michael Hayes and the Junkyard Dog handcuffed at ringside in their respective corners. Now, the winners of the first fall, let's say it's the Freebirds, their partner, which would be Michael Hayes, gets unhandcuffed, making it a three-on-two disadvantage for the challengers here of uh, Fuller and DiBiase. Now, the loser of the first fall has to switch with the handcuff person. So let's say Robert Fuller takes the fall. He has to switch out with the junkyard dog, and then it's Fuller handcuffed, giving the winners the advantage still 3-2. to two. Convoluted, I know, but but at least they're trying and they're thinking. And and uh, it's kind of interesting also because say let's say the titles do change hands. It could be DiBiase and Fuller. It could be DiBiase and Dog, or it could be Dog and Fuller. It could be any combination thereof, depending on how the fall goes. If... The, the, the baby faces even lose the first fall. Now, what they didn't explain here is, is it Texas tornado type where all four guys are in the ring at the same time? Or is it regular tag team rules? Oh, good question. I didn't even think of that. You know, and I know there's footage out there and I have all my notes and everything prepared for it. I just don't remember off the top of my head how that works. Well, when we get to the March 1st show, I believe they have highlights and we'll find out at that point. Off the top of my head, I don't remember how that match goes. At this point, though, they haven't made it clear, is it four guys in the ring at once, or are we tag team rules with two guys handcuffed? Yeah, and I'm wondering if they even know at this point what they're wanting to do with that. You know, they probably don't. It's probably all a work in progress. Show goes on, and the once again television champion, Steve-O, remember he regained the title from Bobby Eaton at the Omni, or the Omni, if you ask Carly Race, but it's Steve-O going to a time limit draw with former champion Kevin Sullivan in another really fun TV match. Match goes about eight and a half minutes here. Sullivan thus far losing the belt to Steve-O, then losing on a countout. And this week it's a TV draw. So Sullivan having trouble with Steve Olsonowski and his feud with Steve Kern continues on as well. Yeah, Kern's wearing him down. So Sullivan's not able to get that magic back to beat Steve-O at this point. So you're saying Steve O can't do this on his own. It's all Steve Kern softening him it's up. All, it's all Steve Kern softening him up, yes. Okay, loosening the lid on the jar for Steve O to come in and capitalize. Gotcha. Like it. <laughs> Show goes on. We get a throwback match, an old tape match of the Minnesota Wrecking Crew from 1980 in a squash match here on TV. So 
Again, we go back to what, where you pointed out, Ole Anderson not really around a lot here moving forward for the next several weeks, if not a couple months. And uh, proof is in the pudding, at least here this week, as we get a throwback match here of ETR from a previously taped match from several months ago with Ole and Gene going over. No, you got to keep them in the picture. And here's an odd one, and I don't know if you saw this one, Jamie, and I apologize for not getting it to you in time if you didn't. But to end this episode of Georgia Championship Wrestling, a rather out-of-nowhere moment here, as of all people, we randomly hear from the Big K. I'm talking about Stan Kowalski. Let's listen. And there you have it, of course, uh, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Ole and Gene Anderson. And again, we were talking about great uh, competitors throughout the entire state of Georgia. And with me right now is Mr. Stan Kowalski, a great former wrestler. He was an outstanding competitor for many, many years. Now officially scouting the United States, uh, looking for uh, upcoming uh, young wrestlers who look like they have a future in front of them. You know, it's a pleasure coming here, Gordy, because some of the top wrestlers in the world come here to Atlanta. And when I was campaigning, I don't know if the people remember or not, but my brother Jack and I came down here, and we were the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. And Andersons were looking to find a place to go. And we were down here having a lot of fun and tearing this place apart. But now I've come back down here looking for top talent because I've seen it uh, some of it today. This young Tony fellow you got here, the Tony Atlas, he could go any place in the world and and win matches. And I think what he needs is a good lawyer to get some of those loopholes out. And you could see a new champion of the world there. And some of these other guys, I don't know all their names yet because I'm brand new down in this area. But uh, you've got some of the best here. Georgia's a great state. Well, there's certainly no question about that. We were talking about uh, one fellow a couple of moments ago, too, of course. He uh, has just won the national television championship, young Steve O from Edina, Minnesota. Well, he's been wrestling up there, and he's been... Uh, I was surprised to see him leave because he looked like he was in the line uh, with a fantastic chance to get the world championship. But everybody knows where the wrestling is best, and that's where they go. And you're going to see a lot more from little Steve O. I played football with his father and <laughs> kind of dates me back. And uh, the referee I really used to wrestle with his father. But uh, believe me me the things here the fuller boy was very impressive a couple of these others these flea uh freebirds freebirds are Freebirds. a very very dangerous Super combination wrestlers and uh i'll tell you you people want to watch wrestling this channel is the channel to watch wrestling on and you're going to see some of the best in the world what uh I know, of course, you travel uh, sometimes an average of uh, 150 to 200,000 miles a year. You're not only traveling here in the United States, but overseas as well, looking for a new competition. Well, I enjoy, I'm one of these odd fellows. I enjoy bringing the Japanese and Russian wrestlers here to the States. I'm well known for having brought a lot of Japanese wrestlers over here. And uh, this is one of the reasons why I was coming in here, to see if maybe we couldn't bring one of the Japanese Oriental champions back in here. They were successful years ago. We got some new ones out. But... Uh, as it looks, it looks like I might take a few of your boys under my wing, take them to other places in the country. I'd rather you leave them here. Stan, thank you so very Good much. Pleasure, so there it was. Stan Kowalski, apparently scouting talent, claims he and Brother Jack brought the Andersons to Georgia. Atlas needs a good lawyer, and, and he could be the champion of the world. Says he played football with Steve-O's father. Notes that that Fuller boy is very impressive. Uh, accidentally calls the Freebirds the Fleabirds there for just a brief second. Uh, says he even wrestled with the referee's father. I think he's talking Nick Patrick, I'd assume. Of course, the assassin Jody Hamilton, I'm guessing. little kayfabe there. Come on, Stan. And for those who aren't familiar, Kowalski wrestled under at least like a dozen names for something like 25 years, from the early 1950s into the late 70s, wrestling a little bit of everywhere, but always found his way back to Vern Gagne's AWA. Just really random, really weird when I saw this. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I don't think we even hear from him again. 
I don't think we hear from him again until like 1988. <laughs> in the AWA. There you go. Yeah, that's right. In the AWA when it brought it back, gave him his own little interview segment. That's right. Vern loved bringing his old timers back. That's for did, sure. Did, did you catch? Did you catch him calling Gordon Gordy? No, I didn't. I didn't hear that. At no. the very very beginning of the interview, he calls him Gordy. No, I didn't hear that. Wow. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I didn't even catch but, that. But, here's the biggest thing. There's zero fan reaction. Well, they don't know who the no, hell he is. Yeah. I mean, unlike that Wrestling 2-1 interview that we heard a couple of weeks ago, where I said I think it was from the Sunday because it's right. completely silent. Because yeah. they would have never been silent behind Wrestling 2. Right. I know I know this was recorded in front of the audience. And right, they had no idea who he was and they were dead silent. Not even a wise guy yelling some kind of comment. Yeah, this was this was done at the end of the program, so it makes me wonder, did they just have a minute or two to kill and like, hey Stan, you're here, come on in here, you want to talk? What the hell? I don't know. Yeah, and st- the way he made it sound was Steve O was in the AWA before he came to Georgia and he was gonna win the world title. I don't remember Steve-O wrestling in the AWA or ever seeing any results of that. Well, I know Steve-O was in the AWA, and I know he winds up he there was... being from up there, and I know he, he does wrestle for the, you know, the AWA. But, but still, he probably wasn't getting any title matches. Right. No, definitely wasn't in anywhere near touching a, a Vern Gagne, a Mad Dog Vashon, a Nick Bockwinkle, nothing like that. wasn't happening. Not even close. No, not at all. So uh, I'm going to see where we're at time-wise, guys. Uh, we're going to run through another week of house shows here real quick, and I think... Oh, go ahead. Can I add one more one more thing to that? Yes, please do. Please do. I'm going through my notes. Okay. If anyone's going through YouTube, there's an interview where Tony Atlas gets all uh, choked up, and he apologizes for not beating Harley Race. You're right. And is that the episode? Oh, I guess it would have made sense if it was. You're right. I apologize. My note says 214 show, and uh, he he's really downtrodden in, in this interview. Very discouraged but he promises to fans that come uh, march 1st he is walking out with the title yeah i do remember that promo it's really good it's a heartfelt promo he's, he's choked up not because he lost to harley race but because he let the fa- fans down and he didn't defeat defeat harley race for the world title but they're coming back for the cage match yeah and he's going to walk out as the champ at least that's what i believe so we're going to look at a few more house shows here as we head into the next week of tv and by the look of the time here on the show we'll probably be able to knock out another week of TV as well. Uh, Slow going this week, not as many angles as it was in January, uh, but a lot of good stuff nonetheless uh, thus far, and we'll continue on here. February 14th in Carrollton, Georgia, at the fairgrounds yet again. It's Steve Kern doing double duty tonight. First, Kern over Jim Duggan. Then it's Steve Kern also scoring a win over Alexis Smirnoff in Carrollton. So light on the talent. I'm not ripping on Steve Kern or anything like that. just seems odd doing double duty there in Carrollton, Georgia. Also on the 14th in Chattanooga, Tennessee, at the Memorial Auditorium, Mr. Wrestling 2 over Kevin Sullivan, Fuller and DiBiase defeating the Freebirds in a Texas Tornado match. Ah, see, maybe they're trying some things out. Before they get to the Omni, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Also on the card, Georgia champion Tony Atlas over national champion the Mongolian Stomper, but the title's not on the line here because the stipulations of this matchup allowed Tony Atlas to step in the ring one-on-one with manager Don Carson after defeating the Stomper. And it is Atlas defeating Carson on a DQ after an attack from Stomper at ringside. So Tony Atlas trying to get his hands on not just the Stomper, but his manager as well. But it doesn't work out. Where's Wrestling 2 and that damn manager's license? He should have been there. He let Tony down in that match. 
This is the very reason he got that license. Shame on exactly. you. Exactly. Even the odds. <laughs> I guess he on? just wasn't grumpy enough that day. Just maybe too grumpy that day. I'm not really sure. <laughs> never know with wrestling, too. Hey, I, I got a question for you here. Yeah, absolutely. Only yeah, because I, I, I've never studied the Georgia results. I mean, I, I've blown okay. through them like we are right now. Mm-hmm. Do you think they only had three, three or four matches on some of these shows? Or, or are they leaving maybe a couple of prelim matches out of these results? So, I, I'm talking about the whole time we, we've been doing it, even going back into setting the stage and we were going over some right. house show results. There's always only like three or four for most of these house shows. So that yeah. that's because of me a lot of the time. I'm just whittling out some of the preliminary matches and hitting on the big matches here okay. because – I'm leaving out complete cards at times because they seem to be repetitive. Maybe there's three nights in a row where it's the exact same card. So I'm only reading off one of them. You know what I mean? And maybe there's so here in Carrollton though, for instance, these fairground shows, they do only seem to have two or three matches and the guys that were Carrollton never make the trip to Chattanooga. So in this instance with Kern working double duty, there may have been another matchup. I don't know. I have full results of all of the cards here. Um, you guys can check that out on our Patreon, and I'm also going to add it uh, eventually. Add them all to the WrestleCopia web- website as well, so people can check out all of the the listings, all the results I have for the entire year of Georgia here in 1981. But yeah, when I'm going through them here, I, I should have made that clear, and I apologize, Jamie, if I confused you. A lot of the times on the big shows, the, the bigger shows, Columbus or Chattanooga, sometimes or Columbus, Ohio, I'll probably go through the whole card. A standard card seems to be five matches, just to clarify. Oh, okay. Now, I was just curious. I, Like I said, I never really studied in depth uh, house show cards uh, for any promotion besides WWF. And WWF was always five or six. And I just happened to notice that, you know, we're only covering three or four. Right. And was there more matches or not? Now, it seems like the standard is uh, five matches per night. Just, just okay. to be clear for everyone out there. And I do apologize if anybody else was confused about that as well. All right, no problem. I'm I'm here to learn, just like uh, the the fans. Oh yeah, me too. That's that's what I'm doing. So uh, we move on to February 15th, Griffin, Georgia, the Mid South Auditorium on the card. It's Kevin Sullivan going to a draw with Steve O. Big Jim Duggan picking up a win over Charlie Cook. DiBiase teaming with Steve Kern here over the fabulous Freebirds, Gordy and Roberts. Mister Wrestling Two also defeating the national champion Mongolian Stomper. Makes you wonder if those matches were or DQ finishes or whatever, because there's two champions there doing jobs. It's a stomper jobbing to two, and then the Freebirds going down to Kern and DiBiase. Could it have been non-title matches? Perhaps. Just feels like uh, I, I don't see that in both instances here, though. It, it is just a throwaway house show, so very well could have been you know DQs because you're sending people home happy. True, and it's also, you're right, it's also the matinee show up in uh, Griffin, whereas uh, the big show later in the sh- uh, night is in Marietta. And it's the good guys winning. Right. It's not like the heels are winning, so you're sending them home disgusted. So I just finished telling everybody that the standard house show card was like five matches, not counting the Omni. But here we have a six-match card in Marietta on February the 15th at the Cobb County Civic Center. Steve O going to a draw with Jim Duggan. Kevin Sullivan over Stan Frazier. He's back for one night only by a count out here. So I guess Loser Leaves Town didn't apply here in Marietta. They loved them some plowboy, it would appear, but... Kevin Sullivan, nevertheless, I don't know, maybe Frazier was filling in what the uh, story is here. I'm sure you have a story about uh, Frazier's farm needing something or, or something along those lines, reason he's working here tonight. I'm not really sure, but yeah, Frazier's back for one night only in Marietta. Well, he had to feed the pigs, so 
you know, maybe they had some, maybe they had maybe they had somebody no show. Stan was there, you know, visiting Robert, you know, hoping maybe to get an advance so he could feed the pigs. And then somebody no showed, and they said, "Hey, Stan, <laughs> you want to make make a quick twenty bucks? You're going to face Sullivan." Tremendous, tremendous, and uh, that's what happens down there in Philadelphia, but not that Philadelphia. No, the other Philadelphia. <laughs> right, right. Also on the card, it was Robert Fuller over Bobby Eaton. Steve Kern defeating Terry Gordy on a disqualification. Freebirds again, Gordy in the ring with Roberts this time over Tony Atlas and Steve Kern. And in the main event, Ted DiBiase taking on the Mongolian Stomper. It's DiBiase over the national champion Stomper on a DQ. Now, that would have been a good match, DiBiase and the Stomper. See, I like this show because they mix it up. Right. It, Everything's very different on this show. Matchups we matchups uh, we haven't seen. It's like the WWF in Providence, just something completely different. Yeah, just throw matches out there and make people uh, see something different. February the 16th in Augusta at the Bell Auditorium. Steve O going to a draw with Kevin Sullivan. Then from there, it's Robert Fuller defeating Bobby Eaton. I wrote, my, how the mighty have fallen. And no offense to Bobby Eaton, just Robert Fuller going from the main program to just working on the show here, defeating Bobby Eaton on the undercard. Yeah, more of the Watts influence here. He must be taking over at this point. Yeah, it's uh, very visible as DiBiase seems to be teaming with anybody but Robert Fuller here on a lot of these house shows, including here tonight, as it's Ted DiBiase and Steve Kern here in Augusta defeating the team of the Freebirds, Gordian Roberts on a DQ. And in the main event, Tony Atlas teaming with Mr. Wrestling 2 to defeat the team of the Mongolian Stomper and Don Carson in a Texas Tornado match. Another fun main event here. Yeah, good to see Carson back in the ring. We got the two managers going, too, and Two and Carson going at each other. And then you got the two champions, Atlas and uh, Stomper. I would have been tickled pink to see that match live. Yeah, and Texas Tornado going to hide the fact that Don Carson kind of getting up there in age, at least as far as wrestling goes. He could still do a few things, but he's obviously no spring chicken here. And uh, I I think it would have been a fun match for sure. I wonder if he pulled out peanut butter. Peanut butter. There you go. Pull it out. I was just thinking about peanut butter earlier. Uh, That was his old uh, glove, guys. Uh, You remember DiBiase had the glove? Well, Don Carson had it first. The peanut butter was his name. Yeah, he loved that glove. <laughs> February the 18th, Columbus, Georgia at the Memorial Auditorium. It's Steve O over Kevin Sullivan. Steve Kern defeating Bobby Eaton, wrestling two, and Steve Kern then teaming up over Mongolian Stomper and Don Carson. Tony Atlas must have been a, a no-show that night, I have to imagine. And in the main event, six-man tag, it's Andre Fuller and DiBiase defeating the fabulous Freebirds in Columbus. Yeah, here's Andre's back again. Yeah, Andre popping up for one more here. February 19th, Rome, Georgia at the Memorial Gym. World champion Les Thornton back in town over Steve-O. wonder if they're going to bring back the uh, national junior title here for Steve-O. I guess uh, they weren't too mad at Les for going to Florida. Right. So Thornton's back in the territory after uh, leaving just a month ago. It's Thornton over Steve-O here. Steve Kern defeating Bobby Eaton. Jim Duggan over Bill Dromo. And the Freebirds, Gordian Roberts defeating Ted DiBiase and wrestling too in the main event. Again, Fuller, a non-factor in that one as we move on to February 20th in Porterdale, Georgia at the high school. Let's see what they bring to a high school gym. It's Steve O over Bobby Eaton, world champion, Les Thornton, junior champion, I should say, Les Thornton over Steve Kern, wrestling too, and Robert Fuller defeating Buddy Roberts and Terry Gordy. And in the main event, Andre the Giant in your high school, Jamie, it's Andre the Giant defeating the national champion, Mongolian Stomper by a DQ. Can you imagine... Getting this at your high school growing up happened more than you'd imagine back then for sure. But wow, just imagine you go there, you watch the match, you go to school a, ne- a day or two later, and you're like, this is the gym that I'm shooting hoops in right now. This is where Andre the Giant was 
beating the crap out of the Mongolian Stomper like two days ago. You know, it's one thing to see Andre in like a big arena. Right. And even, even if you're sitting front row and have him walk past you. But imagine sitting first or second row in a little high school gym. Oh, my God. Yeah, larger how, than life. How, indeed. Right. How big he would appear. Yeah. I, it's, uh, I really wouldn't even think of that. I remember going to a WWF event during the Giant Gonzalez days and being ringside and just holy shit looking up at him in that nonsense costume. And just, but how tall he was, you know, but I can't imagine Andre in a high school gym, such a, a small closed area. You're right, man. It would have, it would have made him larger than life. I mean, literally not just for cliche purposes. Well, well speaking of Gonzalez, who he was a legit seven, four, seven, five. I once stood next to him in the Philadelphia Marriott and I stand six, two. Okay. And I felt like <laughs> sky low, low. Yeah. Next to him. I mean, I looked up with him and my neck started to hurt because I couldn't look that eye. You know, I'll say this much for the guy. And I hear he was a really nice guy. Um, obviously, he couldn't work a, a lick. But that look, you know, that that first ooh, ah, he got those when he came through the curtain, when he came out to the ring, when the fans got to see how tall he was. So if Vince was, you know, hiring him for a quote unquote to be a freak, if you will, a freak show deal, you know, Vince loved those things. It worked. And I hate using that term, but I mean, it, that's, you know, essentially the oohs and ahs that he got. But I mean, man, yeah, that, talk about a huge man. And Andre was just big everywhere. Yeah, well, he had, Andre had girth, so he even looked, you know, bigger. But right. Gonzalez had, had to be the tallest person I've ever stood next to. And I once bowled with Manute, not Manute Bowl, uh, the guy from the commercials. No, no, no. Uh, Matumbo. Matumbo, yeah, Dikimbi Matumbo, yeah. Yeah, we were in a bowling alley you know, <laughs> with my kids, and here Matumbo comes in right into the next lane with his 17 kids. <laughs> oh, man, I bet Tom and, Robinson's and, pissed off he can't tell this story. Yeah, no, I don't even think Tom knows this one. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we, we so we were in, you know, lanes right next to each other, and Matumbo was a big man. I mean, by the time he released the ball, it was like watching the um, Plastic <laughs> Man bowling, <laughs> you know. He releases the ball and he's right at the pins, getting a strike every time. Oh, man. Kudos to you for dropping the name Plastic Man as well. I love it. <laughs> Never know what's happening here on the show. Oh, that was, well, that was a decent 1970s cartoon. It was. I, I, I like Plastic Man. I haven't seen it in over 30 years, so it just made me pop. They never tied him in with the uh, Justice League. They never uh, did. Back, or, or, or Super Friends, but he was from that universe. Right. Yeah, he sure was. And they had a Plastic Man character host a cartoon. Uh, I think it was DC cartoons somewhere in the 1980s as well. So <laughs> that's just a, another little side note there. For, uh, we're stupid knowledge. Yes. There you go. <laughs> and we're going to close up this edition of the Regional Wrestling Podcast. Going to look at one more episode of Georgia Championship Wrestling Television for February the 21st. Lots of matches here on the card. Tag Team Champions Gordy and Roberts over Mike Davis and Mike Jackson. That's a fun team. Davis and Jackson there. Also, national heavyweight champion Mongolian Stomper over Bill Allen. Bobby Eaton going to a draw with Charlie Cook this week. It's Georgia heavyweight champion Tony Atlas over Ken Timms. The Wrecking Crew are back this week, so Oli's still here off and on. We haven't seen him on the house shows. He wasn't on TV last week, but he's going to make his presence known every once in a while. But that's Oli Anderson for you. It's the Wrecking Crew of Oli and Gene Anderson over the team of Mike Davis and Marvin Turner. Then from there, it's JYD, Junkyard Dog over Abdul Sattar with the thump, the power slam. Robert Fuller still together with Ted DiBiase, at least on TV. 
defeating the team of Ron Horn and Bobby Garrett. And then from there, we get a VTR of Andre the Giant, of all people, cutting an interview here, vowing revenge on the Mongolian Stomper as he has an upcoming rematch with the Stomper in Columbus on February the 22nd. Andre, he got to keep the namesake of the eighth wonder of the world, but he didn't get that national title. They went to the DQ with Don Carson interfering. Andre has a rematch here scheduled with the Stomper tomorrow night in Columbus. And he's going to run all over the Stomper in that match. Yeah, but still not going to At least I hope out. he does. <laughs> well, he probably does, but still doesn't walk out the national champion. Uh, he doesn't need the title. No, that's one guy that never needed a belt. That's for sure. Also on this show, the fabulous Freebirds cut another promo continuing to explain the Fantasia gauntlet match, likely because last week they didn't even know all the rules quite yet, and they probably got a few more in here. I, I don't have this on film, so I can't play the audio here for you guys, but just let it be known that the Freebirds explain the Fantasia gauntlet match a little more here this week on Georgia TV. And finally, and I addressed this an episode or two ago, way back in the fall or the end of the fall, Robert Fuller was booking. And so he brought in some of his guys, of course, the stomper being one of them and Joe LaDuke as well. And LaDuke's been here the entire time we've been covering Georgia championship wrestling, Jamie, but we haven't really mentioned him because he's not in any of the, the angles, the storylines, the title matches, He's uh, working the preliminary match, usually the squash match, on the underneath on these house shows, which is why you haven't heard his name a lot there either. Like I said, I I removed some of the preliminaries. And uh, unfortunately, Joe LaDuke gets left out because of that, and I apologize, guys. But here this week, Joe LaDuke gets to cut a promo, and I don't have this on film, again, so I can't play the audio for you. But thanks to Walt Walansky, he did an excellent job of breaking this promo down in the old fanzines. And I wanted to run through this real quick interview with the Canadian freight train, Joe LaDuke. Joe LaDuke basically saying that he's here to make money. And, uh, you know, it's it's really a generic promo, if you will. But at least they're finally giving him some interview time. And uh, yeah, it's a shame that um, he wasn't more involved in his 10 weeks that he was in Georgia. It's really weird. And he's here for a little bit longer. Not but not by much. Obviously, Robert Fuller on his way out here pretty soon. And thus, so is guys like the Stomper and Joe LaDuke before too long. But it's just really, I don't know, it's its kind of odd that you have a guy, the level of a Joe LaDuke, the look, the body, the type, the the believability of a Joe LaDuke, and you're not utilizing him more. Maybe this was, a, a, no, and I'm not trying to insult Mr. LaDuke with this comment, okay. but maybe he was under the uh, Stan Frazier program where if he had time, he worked. I mean, not that he had a form he had to attend to, sure. but- Maybe he had, you know, a shoot job that he was doing and he he could only work dates every so often. Yeah, I'm not sure what the deal is here because I do see him pop up a lot on results, but I'm not really sure what's going on. And maybe you're right. Maybe there is something else going on to where he can't really commit to anything big because maybe he's going to leave at any moment or maybe he can't make the big dates. So it's it's a good call. That could always be a situation. Yeah, that's just my uh, my opinion on it. Also here this week, we're going to hear once again from the big moose. They call him moose because that was his nickname in high school. I'm talking about Jim Duggan. One more time. Tough guy. And I'm glad to see you finally got my name right. You must be one of the few educated people in the South that learned to talk. If we could get the worm guts out of these people's mouth that they carry around spitting cups all the time, they may learn to speak my name also. It's Duggan. Okay, Mr. Duggan, first of all, I think it would be interesting to note uh, 
Uh, going back into your past, uh, you were quite an athlete in high school. That's right. I'm not one of these muscle-bound jerks or these fat slobs. I'm an athlete, one of the best in the world at what I do. I played pro football. I was all decade in college. The best football player to play for SMU in 10 years. I'm an all-around athlete. This is something I'm taking on now, and I'm going to prove to the world that I'm the best in this ring. Well, now you're talking about this. I understand, too, that you were a state amateur champion in wrestling. That's right. In 73, I was New York State. That's New York State, not little chicken Georgia State. New York State amateur champion. So, so Duggan putting over his amateur status heading into the pros. Uh, New York State amateur champion. I didn't go digging, so I can't verify if this is just a pro wrestling angle or a story, whatever you want to call it, uh, background story, but... Sounds legit to me. I mean, I know Jim Duggan was indeed a wrestler and obviously a football player as well, but uh, it's just kind of cool to hear Duggan cut a normal human being promo rather than the uh, typical hacksaw promo we became accustomed to over the next several decades. Uh, he's, yeah, he he's, hasn't, here, he's well-spoken. Yeah, he hasn't changed his voice yet. No, and I, and I get doing that, trying to sound tougher and meaner and louder and uh, scarier. Tough guy. Tough guy. He comes off very well here, well-spoken as a heel. He's doing a good job here cutting a promo. Although he'll find himself eventually in that hacksaw voice. Oh, yeah. By the time we get up to October, when we get uh, the John Nord version of Duggan, <laughs> he, he has that voice by that time. But the people are just going to have to wait until we get there. And remember, guys, that's Duggan with two G's, not Dugan. As the show goes on, we see Duggan step into the ring, going to take on Steve Kern. But it is Steve Kern defeating Jim Duggan after Duggan missing a shoulder tackle to the corner. Kern with a schoolboy roll up. Going to get the win there over Big Jim Duggan. And then we roll on third times, apparently the charm, Jamie, as Kevin Sullivan finally defeats Steve-O to win the national television title after Steve missing a dropkick and Sullivan drops an elbow to capitalize. Going to score the win and win the title back in 9 minutes and 15 seconds. Another really good TV match. And is it coincidence that the Steve Kern match was before this? Oh, man, mm. yeah, you, you, you notice the little subtle things, don't you? Sometimes stupid stuff sticks out. Well, that, I wouldn't call that stupid at all. It's it's good booking, and, I, I, you know, it's pretty cool that you pointed that out because I wasn't really looking at that. You know, when you're sitting here taking notes sometimes, like, you know, like I have to do and, and with the doing the research and reading the different magazines and all this other horse shit in between, and I'm not trying to make excuses, but sometimes I miss the little things, and they're just as important. So I appreciate you uh, bringing that to my attention there. Yeah, Steve Kern getting a win there over, uh, you know, a pretty solid name on the underneath in Jim Duggan. And then Sullivan coming out right after that and regaining the title. It took him a few tries, but he's television champion once again. See, sometimes four eyes are better than two, right? <laughs> I do need some glasses, so it might be six eyes pretty soon. Well, anyway. then we're dealing with eight eyes. Eight eyes, okay, point. I figured. All right, okay. I already got four going. <laughs> I didn't want to presume. So, so. We, so Steve-O, not exactly Mr. Charisma out here, but he has solid matches on TV each and every week. He's he's had a lot of good matches here, uh, so I can't really crap on the guy, which was, I guess, the point of being the TV champion, being able to have good matches out here for television. Kevin Sullivan, though, regaining the belt after letting Steve-O have a, a little rub as a two-time champion in a short amount of time. So Kevin Sullivan, no doubt, still has Steve Kern to deal with moving forward. Yeah, that feud is not over yet. And we're going to close out this edition of Georgia Championship Wrestling and close out this edition of Regional Wrestling as well with one more matchup here on TV. It's the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion, Les Thornton, back on TV, going to a draw 
against Mr. Wrestling 2. You have to think the George the junior title was not on the line there. I don't think Wrestling 2 would have been happy being considered a junior heavyweight, but it is Les Thornton battling 2 to a draw in about six minutes of TV time remaining here on TV. The time expired as the program comes to a conclusion. Unfortunate, but funny, as these two men would be two of the few who moved over to the WWF version of Georgia Championship Wrestling in the early goings of TBS in 1984, two and Les Thornton doing jobs for Vince McMahon. But here, back in 1981, putting on a fun little match, even if it did only go six minutes. And to take that one step further, when Vince is forced to move into the TV studio for TV tapings right before WrestleMania, the very first match they have live back on Georgia Championship Wrestling with Gorilla Monsoon is wrestling two against Les Thornton, which goes to a 10-minute draw. (laughs) All right. Well, there you go. The conclusion of this match, perhaps they pick it back up several years later. I know too. I remember too, and Thornton being there in the studio for those WWF matches, but I did not know they worked each other in that first match there. So very cool, more useless information that only one of us would know. That very true. And uh, of course, when Vince also takes over, those two were very common guests with Freddie Miller when they would show the WWF matches and then cut back in between. So pretty cool this week. We knocked out three weeks of television here on this episode of Regional Wrestling, which means we only got one episode of TV to go before we head into the next Omni card on March the 1st. Uh, going to be a fun time when we get there. Lots of cool stuff coming up. Remember, it's Tony Atlas and Harley Race inside a steel cage. The Fantasia Gamble match. The Fabulous Freebirds National Tag Team Champions taking on Fuller, DiBiase, and the Junkyard Dog. National Television Champion Kevin Sullivan apparently already slated to take on Steve Kern. So Steve Kern coming back for that TV title. Dick Slater back on the road after that concussion. He's scheduled to take on Ole Anderson. And that's just one of the undercard matches. Also, they're wrestling two against Bobby Eaton, Joe LaDuke back in the Omni against Steve O. And in a return match from TV, and we're going to see it again on TV too, it's Charlie Cook going to take on Jim Duggan. Lots of cool matches coming up in the Omni and lots of fun things happening next week on TV as well on February the 28th to build to some of those matches. Yeah, I see I was wrong about Ole. He's still you know hanging around there. I guess just to keep his name fresh. That way he can get the job back after um, Bill Watts gives it up. Yeah, Ole's no fool. He's popping up on maybe every two or three episodes of TV. He's clearly still finding his way onto some of these Omni cards, at least in the mid card. Uh, just not a fool, Ole Anderson, coming back for the important shows anyway. Yeah, that's why Ole lasted so long. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but maybe who knows how long it would have lasted if, you know, Georgia stuck around. I don't know what would have happened there. But uh, that's uh, fantasy booking uh, for another time. Jamie, I, I want to thank you, man. It's awesome that we were able to knock out three weeks of TV. Lots of cool things happening here. You brought up a couple of promos that I somehow overlooked. Now, the Atlas promo you brought up, I remember seeing that, so I don't know why I didn't grab it or why I didn't uh, jot it down in my notes. So I don't know, maybe I was having a brain fart. Maybe something was going on and I, I totally lost you know, my train of thought. I don't know. I appreciate That's you. why we're a team. Yes, that is. And, uh, you know, I just appreciate you, you know, having my back. And because uh, I want, like I said, I want to cover every little piece of the stories being told here so that people can see what things were like, you know, when wrestling was good, as I like to say. And it was definitely good at this point. Absolutely. So the next time we return, guys, it's more Georgia Championship Wrestling Television. Probably going to cover a couple weeks worth heading into the Omni and coming out of the Omni. And also we're going to take a deep look into that March 1st Omni card as well. You guys heard the card. I can't wait to talk about it next time here 
on the show. Jamie, you got anything you want to plug before we take off here this week? Yeah, well, once again, I'd like to uh, hope all the listeners out there will check out two other podcasts. Uh, these guys are really behind us with the regional wrestling podcast. They they consistently put over the Mid-South podcast with Roman Gomez and the Georgia podcast that we're doing. Uh, the first one is Broken Fabe with Frankie Seacrest and Ariel Abelog. They actually have a new episode that just came out, I believe, yesterday. And also the other ship which has taken over for the brothership, the Breaking Kayfabe with uh, Barry and Baldron. And uh, this past week, they talked about some fantasy wrestling. They talked some music. And it's really a good show. Check it out if you get a chance. That's the other ship at Breaking Cave or Broken Kayfabe. Check out both shows. You won't be sorry that you did. All right. Sounds good. All right, guys, and with that out of the way, uh, Jamie, I just want to tell you I appreciate you being here on this trip through uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling in 1981 with me. I, I know we're coming up any week now uh, here in the uh, year of 1981 that you're going to become a full-time fan of GCW. You're going to be watching it on your TV screen at home, so you're really going to have firsthand uh, knowledge and uh, flashbacks, I'm sure. Yeah, we're not far away. The uh, March 7th show is the first one that I ever saw live. So we're we're only uh, two shows away from that. Yeah, so that means we'll be covering that on the next episode of Regional Wrestling. So that's going to be really intriguing to see what happens once we get to that point in time in 1981. But for now, Jamie, I just want to say thank you so much again for being here on the show. Uh, my pleasure. Anytime, Ray, you need me, I'll be there. Appreciate it. All right, and that's going to do it this week here for Georgia 81. want to thank Jamie Ward yet again. As I am your host, Ray Russell, you can follow me on Twitter at Rasslin Grenade. That's at R-A-S-S-L-I-N Grenade. More Georgia with Jamie, more Mid-South with Roman, coming very soon here on Regional Wrestling, where we talk the territories. Talk the territories.